Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1481 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday. It is, in fact, Memorial Day, and today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. If you're a first-time user, get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with, pro- with promo code Locked On. That is prizepix.com, promo code Locked On. And I also want to tell you at the top of the podcast, make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And today, I'll be joined by Ben Pfeiffer, NBA draft expert. I've talked to Ben several times on this podcast over the years, and we go deep. In fact, this is going to be not necessarily a part one, but we'll have more with Ben later on this week. But today's episode is going to be focused on second round picks, uh, you know, sort of sleepers and options for the Hawks at number 46 overall, kind of a wide spectrum as far as the entire class on, on the whole as well. But some deep dive stuff here. And then later this week, we'll talk about the top of the lottery, Weminyama, Scoo Henderson, the Thompson twins, et cetera. And then also we'll get into some candidates for the Hawks at 15 overall, because of course that is the meat and potatoes when it comes to Atlanta's draft this year. Before I dive into this conversation with Ben Pfeiffer, uh, some plugs at the top of the show. I'll be talking to Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops, ATL 129, extensively in the last couple of weeks on our Player Capsule series. We'll have more on that in the future as well. But we've already talked about Sadiq Bey and AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, Bogdan Magnanovich. It's been a lot of fun to talk to Glenn. I had Howard Beck on the show last week as well and uh, plenty to get to. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend or two or three, even in the offseason, we've been very, very busy and it's all systems go on the way to the draft because we're only about three and a half weeks now from the NBA draft. It's getting close and uh, lots to talk about in Hawksland. All right, without further delay, though, I'll be back in a second with my friend Ben Pfeiffer. But first, the intro, and I'll be back with myself and Ben talking about the NBA draft. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I'm joined this year. I don't know how many years this is in a row, but Ben Pfeiffer is here. Hello, sir. How are you? Hi, Brad. I think this is five. Well, because we definitely did. I feel like 2019 was the first time we did. We've done it every year since, I think. That sounds right to me. Uh, You are gracious enough to come back and talk about the draft. There must be some reason. (laughs) Yeah, we we have fun. It's it's an informative conversation. I I follow your content all the time. I know you're... uh, you're busy. I think you just graduated college. Is that true? Is that, I is that, just is that true? I'm actually not very busy at the moment. Because well, yeah, at the moment you're not. But you, you were. But yeah, um, <laughs> you you were busy. Um, not anymore. Yeah, I mean, and to go behind the curtain a little bit, we're recording this uh, right after an absolutely insane Game Six uh, Celtics Heat I can't performance. So it. we're a little we're a little bit flying high. This is not going to run immediately, but people just should, should know the headspace that we're in after watching the end of that game. It was absolute craziness, and it's yeah, also I'm very late for me like, on the East Coast. So beaming after that, like holy, I, I I'm still animated. But basketball, there you go. Uh, yeah. So what what we'll do? We'll just kind of talk about all kinds of stuff uh, on this conversation. But I, I do want to start um, before we get weird and lean into sleepers and stuff like that uh i'll ask you about the class in general we'll, we'll save the vic talk for later i'm sure we'll get to that but um what do you think of this class i mean it's it's interesting i'm already hearing the doomsday proclamations about next year's class i'm, I'm i was going to mention that we won't go, go into that people are like already terrified about how bad it's going to be but people seem to like this class are you on board with, with this group generally speaking oh i love this draft class i feel like i'm like the highest on this draft class because i love like i think there's like 
like you know aside from the top being super strong i think there's like more than 14 like lottery quality talents based on like the just like you know like the the average number of of like good guys um in any draft i really like like almost all of the first round depth um i i think this draft is phenomenal um i i think there like there's some weaknesses that this class has like there aren't a ton of high field guys um mainly being like the main the main weakness i would say um but no this class is so sick and i i don't i can't i don't have like insane knowledge about the 2024 class but yeah it seems not that great um, me either <laughs> it's so. it's too early for that but i, I was listening I like ron to holland. Uh, ron holland is my goat and future number there you one. go i was listening i think it was uh I think it was Sam Bassini and Mark Schindler. I'm pretty sure it was this week. I was listening to them and Mark brought up something about 2024 and Sam started laughing. Like he was like, Oh no, no. Everyone's terrified of the 2024 uh, of the 24 class. So. I don't know if it's going to be that bad. I don't Maybe feel not, like it. But... I don't feel like it feels like, like more dire than 2020 felt pre pre-college. And Cause that's was the one we talked, we talked we talked about for months and months and months and months. Exactly. And months yeah. Right. Even before we knew about. that would be the case, like people, yeah. like I, it was already kind of viewed as a weaker draft. So it was, um, I always wanted to start there and we'll, we'll talk about the top guys later. And then I think at the end, we'll talk more about um, the Hawks 15 pick options, because with what you just said, it feels like they're going to have some pretty good options in the middle of the first round. Um, but I, I think they're on you. amazing spot. Really? Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. I promise. Um, and I, I will I, just one caveat. Um, May thirty first is the withdrawal deadline for guys that want to go back to college, and there are a few that could go back in terms of second rounders. So I'm saying that now. We're recording this before then, so if something changes in the next couple of days, you'll know why. But the Hawks do pick forty sixth, not the sexiest pick in the world, but they have one. They might they might use it. Um, there's this new second round. Um, exception so teams can sign these guys for longer easier and three two ways so like it would be i've argued forever the hawks should use their second round picks more often than they have they've sold them a few times etc but i think this is a it's a real pick (laughs) like it's a real pick that could be useful for a team especially that has some salary cap issues luxury tax issues for the future um i mean i honestly want to ask about the combine did you watch a lot of combine i watched all of the combine scrimmages yeah um, okay, good, because you know most most of the guys that actually play in the scrimmages are more in the forty six mold than they are the fifteen mold. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, t- tell me absolutely. what you saw in the, with the combine. Anybody impress you that uh, jumped off the screen? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like the best prospect there for sure to me is uh, Brandon Pachemski, who is like certainly not going to be there for the Hawks at forty six. Like doesn't seem doesn't seem like it. He, he might have been I mean, uh, before the combine. It seems, but I was yeah. gonna say he's someone who like I could like who like if they took it pick fifteen, I I think I could rationalize that. Um, more wow. than like that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, like I don't have him that I don't have him that high, but I but like I I get it. Um, he's. It he's seemed really like him good. and uh him and Omax Prosper were the ones that were like everyone was talking about being maybe first rounders now after the after the right. Pachemski, so. yeah. I mean, like I I feel like I like I guess before we talk about this, I feel like I am valuing like the combine scrimmages like more and more as oh. like. A, an evaluation tool like obviously like it's two games but like i think compared to like a lot of two game samples across you know prospects career it's a really valuable one um i think the only thing to really look up is look at is just like if someone's really impressive because they're hitting a bunch of shots um right. i wouldn't really put much stock into that but like guys like like Pachemski, who you can just like tell are on a totally different plane than everyone else just like look head and shoulders above are just like absolutely dominating are able to like work within like kind of like structureless place with teammates you've never played with before generally 
like and you don't have like a scheme or a coach to hide your weaknesses. So I think it matters. And I think the guys who like like J Dub last year was ridiculous at the combine and obviously ended up way overperforming his slot. So but yeah, Pachemski was the best guy there. Omax. I feel like oh like I liked him. I like have like he was like a recent guy. Like, I didn't know anything about him, but I started watching him recently and I definitely am a fan of his. I don't think I like buy the first round hype just because I still think the offense is really limited. And like even like at the combine, a lot of him, a lot of it was him just like kind of athletically overpowering guys, which was mm-hmm. nice to see. But like, sure. still is like kind of similar to like shot making, and it's like you know less translatable to the NBA and other things. But like as like like his on ball defense is really ridiculous. Um, he is going to be a good second round wing get for someone. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of him. Who else is good at the combine? Ben Shepard was really good. He was on my list to ask you about because uh, I am a weird college basketball nerd and I, I liked him a lot at Belmont, but I wasn't sure if it was like NBA like or just like a guy. And he seems to be on the radar more now. I, I like him. I also I also liked him at Belmont because we are depraved people. But <laughs> but I'm happy that that's like his. I think the, the main thing I'm happy with is just that his his skills like translated exactly to that setting, like versatile shot making. And like bursts are the things that are like really impressive for him. Like, you know, like over 10 threes per hundred this year, um, like really, really quick as well as we saw him like attack closeouts and like beat guys off the catch. Obviously he was playing like probably like a more like lower usage role that he would normally have Belmont. But I really like Ben Shepard. Um, I think as like a, as like a creation, like a secondary creation shooting bet wing with like, who seems to be like a pretty competent defender or like definitely has the potential to be like, I'm getting very in on, on Ben Shepard. Like I, yeah, I had him as like, I, I've thought of him as like, a, like a, you know, late second, like, you know, priority undrafted guy for quite a while, just cause I always enjoyed him at Belmont. But now I'm definitely thinking of, like, I could see him like, you know, in the forties or some team taking in that, like he's quite good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know you almost intentionally, you can correct me, almost intentionally don't want to know what people have ranked and do mainstream things. At least I've noticed that about you. I, I think you did a mock this week. You were like, I had no idea what, where everybody was. Um, but I noticed yeah, I that she- like Shepard jumped in the top four, uh, yeah. in, in the top 40 for ESPN, for instance. And I was like, oh, oh wow. 40. Interesting. I like that. I yeah. feel pretty, yeah, I feel pretty out of touch with consensus um like both draft twitter consensus and just like mainstream consensus that i've kind of been like you know busy and doing my own thing this year which i like it's different it can it it can it can be good to not have i mean i yeah i don't have i I just kind of inevitably know and i'm sure i'm influenced by mainstream stuff just i i still try to watch as much as i can but it's not like my Mm -hmm. main thing i I try to watch more than most people do but uh it's uh i will certainly admit it inevitably creeps into my evaluations when i know where guys are supposed to be and where they are right um, it's so good I'm, to know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of you honestly just to be as fresh as as fresh it's as you know, are right. with regard to that like i definitely have some people i talk draft with but like i feel like my opinion is less influenced than other than than ever which is kind of correlating with it being like weirder than ever <laughs> and that's and that's fine i think it's probably I enjoy uh, it. I, I think it's, it's probably good. a good thing um, it was it, it was like the 2021 draft where I just like watch highlights of everyone and was like, all right, I'm done. And now I'm going to fire on some takes. Today's show is brought to you by the award-winning app at PrizePix. It's Daily Fantasy Made Easy. It's amazing. I know you will love it as well as I do. It's very easy to use, and they have safe and fast withdrawals at PrizePix. Every day during the NBA playoffs as well, one user at PrizePix will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern time will be randomly selected each and every day. Whoever placed the entry will actually get a six-pick flex with the following payouts. If you get all six correct, it's a million dollars. Five out of six, $80,000. Four out of six, 
$60,000 and full details can be found at pricepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at that link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is actually play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. Download the PricePix app right now or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you're a first-time user as well, get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Don't forget that promo code it is locked on and sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now with PricePix. And one more time, the URL is pricepix.com slash million. I have some guys like down to ask you, and you know, some of these players like at 46, especially, and this doesn't have to only be about 46 in the Hawks, but it's really hard to tell you who's going to be available and who's not. I mean, it's right, it's kind of a, I think, I mean, obviously, you know that, but just for listeners, like 15 is going to be hard, honestly, to figure out who's going to be available at 15, even, but 46 is like impossible. Right. Like, we have to cast a very wide net, around. yeah, like, way well, less and, and with the, like, like we said at the very top of this. With the with the three two ways and the two way and the second round exceptions and like there might even be a shifting paradigm of like who what gets prioritized. We don't really know what's going to happen in front of the Hawks. There, we don't know if the Hawks are going to make the pick. All those things. So, I mean, I'm looking basically as far as like who could possibly get there. As anybody that is not a, like a definite first rounder could get to 46. We've seen weirder things in the past. Yeah. My favorite example of this in a recent past is the Anthony Melton getting to what I think he got to 47 46, and he was like. Yeah, he was he was a consensus top twenty five guy. I was going to say draft. Isaiah Joe too. Um, yeah, I mean this it does happen where like, like one or two guys fall, like not as good as Melton, like same same kind of vibe. Yeah, so it, it does happen. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody that I have as a, as a top thirty guy gets to forty six. We don't know who, that's, who that guy's going to be. Um, I am a hundred percent sure that people I have as like top twenty five or whatever are going to like be second rounders. Like, well, yeah, I mean, 100%. I was going to ask you. I mean, without again, I know you're not like diving into the kids. Like, do you have someone who you're pretty confident is not going to go in the first round that you really like? Like, who are you super high on? That's not a, not a lottery pick, but like, who, who do you like a lot in terms of hmm. this second round like, range? I will tell you in a sec, but the, I mean this this guy I really like, but not for this. I just wanted to talk about him, like like finishing yeah. off the combine. Um, Dylan Jones, oh, yeah. um, Weber State dude, I love him. Um, I had no idea who he was before I watched G League Elite Camp. Um, right. He was sick there, and he was honestly pretty pretty great at the combine. Um, just like a six six, like absolute tank. Um, like insane free throw rate guy, like really quick, just like one of the most functionally strong dudes you'll you'll see at the college level with like, you know, quite good passing as well and competent defense. Like the, the shot isn't really there, which is kind of the main thing. But like, God, I love like a funky mid-major creator bet. Like and <laughs> he's like he's like um, he's like Mason Jones. If you swapped like shot making for passing as their other like good enough skill. Okay. Except like probably not. Except he's like it's like this is like my like KOC comp of the day. He's like a less skilled, um, <laughs> he, uh, he, yeah. He he's like a less skilled Mason Jones that isn't the worst athlete on the planet. Like, which I think okay. is better than which I think is better than Mason Jones was. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought you were gonna go since it was KOC. I was like a less skilled Michael Jordan. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I honestly have nothing on Dylan Jones, so I will defer to you entirely. But, yeah, I just want uh, to. I've seen him. Okay, on now you ask people, people in the like second round range that I think are. Yeah, who, who are you high like, on? Like, obviously, you kind of, if right. you aim too high, that's fine. But like, who's, who's your guy or two in the second round that you like? I'm pulling up ESPN's like best available as I do this to to reference. But I mean, Prochemsky, for, Prochemsky for for sure. But like, like, yeah. like, he's probably falling. He's probably like 
not going to be in that range anymore. Um, yeah, I think he's. I think he's going to go based on what I've read so far in the top thirty-five. Probably, maybe it seems. Just... It seems that way. So yeah. Um, the main ones are well. I, I think Turk Turk Smith is one who I see. Like I don't think I don't really see in the first round, and I would certainly take him in like the top twenty. Um, he's one of so, my like. I was going to say, what do you like about him? Because you know he's a guy that I, I thought probably should have came out last year because I, I think he would have gone in the first round. And usually, guys, I think would have gone in the first round, they probably should just go. And he didn't, and he came back, and like he didn't have a bad year or anything, but he's kind of, I think he's probably rated lower than he was a year ago for most people. Which is I think so too. Which is funny because like he has made really substantial improvements. I think, um, Turk, I think defensively improved a lot this year. I mean, the bar was like really, really low, um, yeah. last year, but he has like improved quite a bit on defense. Like he's good using his quickness and like his size to like fight around screens and his length to be a bother. Um, he's so he's so skinny, by the way. Um. I think he's, he's like what 170-ish. He's really skinny. I mean he, like I mean like it's like you know like he is like the bones body. I mean he's like yeah, has yeah. a ton of similarities to bones, honestly. But like the bone I mean he doesn't have bones of burst or anything, but like I mean burst is is not like a like it's not a great thing for, for Turk. Um he's like super explosive in the open floor. Um insanely explosive in the open floor. But like in traffic and like his, his actual like first step isn't that great, which which hurts him. Um, and just the fact that he's so skinny, um, like the finishing is not super great. Is you know it, it's like not going to be good. Um, and like just like the scoring, like the scoring within like you know fifteen ish feet um, is the question. But I think he is an unbelievable shooter. Um, first of all, like his like volume like has and like versatility in terms of different types of shots and like far two indicators are ridiculous his like the last two years um he is amazing pulling up from like well 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 beyond nba range um like off of movement off of a step back um he's like a really great mid-range creator as well like or like even like long mid-range again it's not as as a, as a freshman he took 15 threes per 100 with a 57 uh three-point attempt rate <laughs> and shot 37 <laughs> percent yeah that, that that's a lot of that's a lot of threes which is really special um really really special like again like the the finishing improved like quite a bit like from really bad to just normal bad um and like again like the the tools i think are there to be like a guy who doesn't get hunted on defense which is what you're asking for basically for these like shot making offensive guards who's like a pretty good pick and roll passer he's good at like basic pick and roll reads if you ask him to like read two defenders on like the weak side he's probably going to struggle but um he's the kind of guy who's like you know running an empty side pick and roll or like has to read has to read like a tagger he can do really well like with all kinds of skips and stuff so i just think like this this like combo kind of like non-primary point guard which i feel like has like kind of been like eschewed a lot and you know for good reason i think like especially like i think now with with so many like so many huge initiators and like we're just going to keep getting more um you know with the twins and like Brandon miller whatever um Wemby obviously there's it's like a good time to be a small non-primary guard with like real like playoff skills offensively and i think turk could could be one of those guys even if like you know it, it it takes some time or like he has to adjust to a new role because turk like he had he definitely has shot selection kind of questions as, at this moment but i don't i'm not so bothered because he was like literally his team's like whole offense and he kind yeah. of just got to do whatever he wanted so. 
Well, and you know, as long as he can defend too, and you talked about the defense, like if he's going to play that that role next to a to a to a size creator, like as long as you can yeah. defend the one, you can you can kind of yeah, definitely want to like make like the defense is still like a big question, like yeah, in my my thoughts. But like, that, that, again, yeah, I think that you have to be kind of sold on it. I think a little bit, at least a little. You know, guard defense is a whole other topic. But he has to be able to. He has to be able to defend some. I think, or right. it's not going to work. But no, I, I think he is a guy like who has pretty high variance in terms of his like outcome range. But I think the high end is like pretty valuable, and that's and, like, kind and, of the and, 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 and the second round. I mean, that's obviously not. I mean, you want to swing right. on someone. I mean, right? There's kind of right. there's the kind of two, like, two different philosophies on that. It's like try to find guys who can maybe help you as you're like your eighth man or take swings. Yeah, it's like there's and and both are good. Both are right. good ways to go. Who you else? can do either um, one, especially in the 40s. Yeah, we talked about so the other one who I've been rising a ton on recently, also combine and just watching him more throughout the year is Amari Bailey. UCLA's who, own Amari Bailey. Who I think is really good. I didn't particularly like him much as a prospect coming out, and I think he improved markedly, like pretty rapidly, UCLA into like a real ball handler who can pass. Like he was not a passer in high school. Um, yeah, and he is now developed in someone who can make like advanced reads, like reading a defense, being patient, like waiting for his options to open up, and using his slashing gravity to like force help defenders and make passes as well. Like, really, really bursty, like, great first step, really strong. Oh, that was always his thing. Um, like, I mean, this is less of about, I mean, probably less about him, but like, I'll always remember like, for, like him being 14 and and playing like the Chet Jalen Suggs team. Um, with Sierra and him just like wrecking Chet at, at the rim on a couple of drives, like it, right through his chest. And I'm like, I don't know if to be more impressed by this, by this, by this kid or to be more worried, but um, yeah, no. And he's, and he's really famous too. Like he was always, and also he's a tough one for me because of context. Like he went to UCLA and played on a team with a bunch of old guys and in a backcourt with Tiger Campbell, who's a thousand who I love in, in college, but like is a vet guy with Hawkes, like he was there as this incoming five-star freshman who like had this role that was not probably the best role for him in some ways. So like, I don't know if it's, it's hard for me to evaluate him after seeing some in high school, but I never watched enough of these guys in high school to really have a huge, huge command of that. So like, I was not surprised to see him rising, but it was just like, he's a tough evaluation. I feel like. Yeah. I think like, he's a guy who, like, you have to be the right team for, I mean, like, as for most prospects. But, like, Amari is a guy who just, like, really wants the ball to to succeed. And I think his, like, high-end creator outcomes are very real. I mean, that's just, like, the main offensive question is how does he progress as a shooter? I mean, he just, yeah. like, doesn't really take a lot of threes. Um, is like, not a good free throw shooter. Like, no particularly outstanding indicators. But, you know, with his amazing burst um, and, like, strength and ability to pass – uh, as well off of drives i think if he can become like a passable enough shooter where you actually have to close out a little bit he could be really dangerous as an off-ball threat um but that's definitely like not why you're getting him i think you're drafting him as like a bench as like a bench secondary creator type upside swing um and also because his defense is really good too um i think his off-ball defense is a little w- rough at times which is honestly like very common for freshmen um, oh yeah like exceedingly common and i think his on-ball defense is really really great he's super strong laterally quick great footwork and get around screens um really great recovery tools again when he gets beat or has to like turn and chase or whatever um 
and again, like had like like got steals in college, like has tools, like you know, can figure out the off ball stuff. Hopefully, um, I I don't know exactly where I have him. I think I'd probably be be like de- definitely like super down with some team taking him in the late first round. Um, that's mm. just like that kind of upside swing. Um, I don't know exactly like where where like but like somewhere late late first early like early second like even later first could be cool i think yeah that's the kind of talent that you can maybe uh maybe falls unexpectedly and um he, I think he seems to be kind of kind of rising again now but you know pedigrees there and all that yeah who was i thinking about oh jordan walsh yeah that was literally <laughs> who i was about to ask i swear to god i was about to ask you about jordan walsh okay i have two more after that i have to mention but feel free yeah or three. Uh, there's so many. Dang. Well, that's um, the thing. Like, the second round is such a it's a wide net. But Walsh was on, literally the first guy I had on my list. Second round picks that I made the notes of, in part because like his skill set for the Hawks makes some sense because it's like it's it's defense and it's little stuff. So I thought he was really interesting. Yeah, to me. we know that I love my like no offense, insane defender wings. Like, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite type of guy to like way too much. I just think this like the ceiling for jordan walsh as a defender is like legit all defense um and that's why i'm willing to be more lenient with the offensive stuff um i think the offense is really bad like there's (laughs) not really much um like arguing there i don't think like the shot is bad generally like when he handles the ball things don't go well but i do think they're interesting handling tools it's because he is so like fluid and his length is so impressive like i think you regularly see him like impressively move with the ball at that size it's just he doesn't really have like the handle or footwork or what to do much with it yet and like again i I think he's a solid passer as well when he gets the chance but he just like can't really dribble and shoot so he doesn't get a chance to be a passer very much but i do think he's a good passer when he gets that chance so i think there are like there are conceivable ways for him to become like less than hopeless on offense, but like, his defense is ridiculous. Like it's like that movement skill um, in terms of like getting around everyone, like getting around all kinds of screens as a really huge guy being able to guard like up and down. I think his strength could definitely improve, but he is a pretty strong guy already at this point. Um, and like is a little like like the technique stuff isn't perfect with like the foul happiness at times like the swipe happiness and just like the general you know technical cleanups but i think with the movement skills and his like explosion laterally and his quickness and his length like there's an insane ceiling there and again i think of him similarly to bailey as like a like i would be game with a team taking him in the late first um like i i i've mocked this like in the moxie for fun um, like I, I would love for Sacramento to take him, I think at like 27 or something. Um, like that would be sick. Um, so yeah, I, I also just really like Jordan Walsh and I've liked him for a while. Um, yeah, no, I, I am, I'm into, I mean, the offense is really not very good right now, but, uh, in the second round it's, it's worth it. If you think you can find something there, I mean, it's not a perfect comp, but I, I you know, people have thrown around Herb Jones as far as like. Not, an, not, not the same archetype necessarily, yeah. but like, you know, super defender, offensive, limited player, yeah. falls to and the And like, 30s, think about 40s. the fact that like Herb, like, was like a pretty bad offensive player, even as a senior, um, and had like some weird, like, slashing tools. But like, yeah. you know, like, Walsh is still 18 doing right. this. Um, Herb was like 22 when he got drafted. Yeah, that is uh, definitely notable. Uh, who else? Who else? I know you found some more guys you want to talk about. So feel free oh. to deliver them. Last two for <laughs> sure. I mean, I. Um, both Illinois guys, uh, Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon, I haven't, I think are first round picks. Shannon, Shannon mostly. 
Um, well, you think Coleman Hawkins is a first round pick? That's interesting to me. I think I, he's. Uh, I think he's in. I, I think he's in that same big group of guys. It's like where it's like, you know, um, you might be ranked like 30, 30 to thirty five, but right. like I'm like I would get like the Warriors taking him in the late first or whatever. Well, they're both really interesting because like Shannon, I feel like has had a very wide split. I've seen people that have had him in like their top 20 for a while. And then you you see like, I think he was like in the fifties on the last ESPN update. Like there's a big split on Terrence Shannon in particular, and he's been around for a long time. He changed right, schools. Yeah, they have him in, they have him like in the fifties right now. Um, so like yeah. They have which is, going back to back 53, 54. Seems like kind of a punt ranking, but um, I mean, what do you like about both of them? Because they're different players, obviously, but they came, they're, they're coming, coming out of Illinois and Hawkins is kind of a, uh, more of an enigma, whereas we've seen a lot of Shannon for the last three or four years. Yeah, yeah, Shannon's been a prospect for like well, his, a long time. Um, like yeah. a fringe guy um, who, because of like legit offensive improvements, is much more real at this point. I mean, just, you know, basically every year, his like three point volume, you know, free throws of free throws have gone up, except for when he was a freshman who shot weirdly well from the free throw line. Um, his catch and shoot threes have gotten so much better this year. He, you know, took 156 threes when he didn't take more than 86. Like the shooting improvements are really nice. Um, coupled with the fact that he's like one of the faster players in the class, it has like a competent handle when it's kind of unbothered. So I think when you combine those things, there is like a like a definite room for like a very legit like wing like like rotation wing right away because you don't have like at least for me like those shot questions aren't like an Acora or Walsh or something like okay yeah like this guy's been shooting pretty confidently um like a decent clip for like two straight seasons so like I am pretty I am pretty excited um he was always like a fun like a fun defender very rangy um like the team defense is awesome uh his defense is like not as, as amazing as it won as it was as like a freshman year, uh, like his freshman year stuff, just because I think, you know, increased role and stuff. But he has incredible movement skills, like really long, um, great, like opening and flipping his hips and stuff. Um, just all of like the the good stuff you want. He's even like, you know, flashed a little bit of passing off of the the dribble, like as like a primary-ish initiator with, with Illinois. I really like that the handle improvement, I think, has unlocked a lot of like good stuff for him because he always was really fast and quick. He just couldn't dribble like at all. So yeah. I think he's like a very clean, just like team Sacramento, Indiana, like even like probably not Memphis, but like this team needs like a seventh or eighth man wing. That's going to be ready in, in, you know, two years. It's like, that's your guy. Yeah. And that, that if you can get that guy in that, in that range, that's going to provide value. I think. And you're right. And that's someone like, Again, we said like these two different like philosophies. Like, yeah, like that's a guy I think you want at twenty five. Like, he's gonna provide you value in the second year of his rookie contract. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna ask you about like two. We can do this. We can do this all day in second round picks. But if we have to get to the other guys too, um, I, I wanted to ask you while I have you, do you have an opinion on Cedar Suzoko? Because I've been surprised. At one point, it seemed like he was going to be a lock first rounder, and now he's like in the late 30s, 40s on on these mainstream boards. And I wonder what happened. And he's, by the way, for people who don't know, uh, G League Knight and uh, super young, interesting tools guy. But uh, do you do you like him? Because it seems like he might be falling, which is weird to say. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure very, why. Very quickly, Coleman Hawkins, giant, incredible passer, 
Um, oh yeah, Coleman Hawkins. We should talk about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> Coleman Hawkins, like enormous, incredible passer, and finally has like enough offensive aggression to to make it work. Uh, his he's 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 cool, giant, smart guy. Take him. six ten ish, Coleman Hawkins. I think. Yeah, yeah he's 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 large. Like he's a big dude. Uh, you know, maybe the Rockets should should, should draft him, um, reunite pro- that old prolific prep team. You know, <laughs> prolific Jalen Green. What a day! All right, um, so you asked yeah. about CD. Yeah, I'm just curious because, um, like, I'm again. I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to overread the uh, the mainstream stuff, but like, he seems like he's fallen a lot, and I don't really understand why. I'm not even like in love with him. But it seems like that he actually might be in play in the middle of the second round now, which is shocking to me. But yeah, there you go. I have always been pretty anti CD as a prospect. I've had him mid late second the whole time and haven't really moved off of that. I don't honestly know why he's dropping. I I, I don't really have any idea. But I, I like there are people on like draft Twitter and like stuff who have him like top like in the lottery. Well, that's why I'm asking because it's like there, there's a big split there. I feel like right, and... there's a huge split on him, and I am like very definitely at the at the low on end the, of that. On the lower end, which is and that's fine. I was just I, honestly, what do you uh, while we're here? Because what you said for a second, uh, what do you not like? What is your what is your skepticism of Sissoko? I just I worry about how he's like going to be able to apply his his skills, which is you know like the passing mainly. Um, I don't really believe in the shot, like very much just given that you know he doesn't take a lot of threes um like he doesn't take different kinds of threes he's not a mid-range shooter he's not only a free throw guy but the more pressing issue is just how timid of a scorer he is um he's like one of those guys who just like totally afraid to shoot like isn't like the quickest guy isn't like the greatest handler but like you know can win with his size and and some fluidity at at times uh, which is which is impressive and like he'll like get to the rim like fend off like a defender and just like not even look and try to pass out or do a flashy pass. Um, I think the fact that he's a flashy passer also has people overrating his passing a little bit. He's a very good passer, especially for his size, like really impressive making live dribble reads off of the bounce, mostly like interior passes to his teammates and passes out is really, really, really impressive for a guy his size. Again, like how much will he get to use that skill in the league? But it's a really, it's a real skill. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of like flashy passes that don't need to be flashy, or, like where the flash doesn't actually add anything. Like there are obviously like there are flashy passes that actually like you know matter. Like when a guy like no looks and looks off a defender, like that's like matters a lot and it's a high level tool. But like you know like a look away when like on the fast break and stuff. But and, and also I think defensively I have a lot of questions, uh, mostly about just like his awareness, his like feel as a team defender, is his general like instincts. Um, he's like his reaction times, which are all like pretty poor again, which is common for freshman aged players um, playing at competition. Like he has pretty solid tools, but again, like I, I see him again as more of like this like second round wing flyer who, you know, like if you maybe want a guy who might be able to you know be a rookie contract rotation wing um, with, you know, a little backup playmaking and maybe some defensive we can work at. Like, I, like, I think he makes sense in that range for like that yeah. kind of thing. I don't believe in I'm quite skeptical of like just mostly the scoring. Even like in games like without Scoot and stuff where he got a bigger like offensive load and scored more points, it seemed more like the same kind of stuff, like very complimentary actions. Um I so mean I just know. just to back you up there by the way, he he played 43 games for Julia United this year combined. Um averaged like almost 30 minutes a game and took nine shots a game. 
as a perimeter player. And that, that's a very low number for someone who played as much as he did. Like he was not aggressive to your point as a, as a yeah, scorer. It's, like it's and like, uh, secondary for sure. Uh, especially because yeah, like, like you said, he, he played without Scoot a bunch and that you, in theory would have raised the numbers <laughs> as far as right, uh, right. I mean, he definitely did play better as a scorer in those games, but still. And the thing um, as well is like, I always like to say is like most NBA role players were not role players in college um, or, you know, at no. that role. I think, we can definitely argue like, you know, Julian Knight is different and like there's more like NBA centric immediately, which is true, I think. So it's not like exact parallels, but like, like Tory Craig, PJ Tucker, like Dorian Finney-Smith, like all these guys were like on ball, high usage creators in college, like Robert Covington, uh, like was like a huge usage guy. So like, I tend to be wary of these guys who are like role guys at lower levels and just like don't have that ability to scale up really. Cause it just isn't like how most players get there, you know? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, I have one more going to ask you about in this range, then we'll, then we'll go to the top. Uh, and I'm not even sure he's in this range. This is a weird situation. Can you explain the Bobby Clintman thing to me? Because it seems like he might have a first round guarantee or something, and yet I I, I have heard that he might yeah I've I've heard people say that he might have a, that he has a first round promise because because he, he pulled out, he pulled out of everything basically for people who don't know like he's from Wake Forest he was not a pro I mean people like you know who he is but he was not a, he's not a famous player he was not a hugely productive player in college on a okay Wake team um, and then suddenly it was like by the way he's skipping everything and he might be in the guy who goes in the 20 goes in the 20s uh beyond because we, we don't know but is that a worthy like is he an interesting player to you i think so but not like that i mean i think this is like pre-drafting gone too far <laughs> a little yeah bit. it's just like it's so we i mean again i i've seen it i i saw him play multiple times this year uh just from a college basketball point of view like i, I get that he has tools he's 6'10 he's and uh, he's skilled, but like I never thought, okay, that guy's going to be a first round pick this year. Like that, that never, yeah, that never think, occurred to me. <laughs> yeah, I think what you're really hoping for is just like betting on um, like a mover as well, like a, a guy who is like really, really like athletically gifted, like moving laterally as as, as a big guy, um, like flipping his hips really quickly, rotating for for blocks and and such as well. Um, I'm not a huge, like, like, again, like the offense to me, like, I just don't really know what happens at, um, at that point. Um, and I think there was like, actually like, like, I think my buddy, like our buddy Ignacio, like the international scouting goat, um, posted some like clips or something of him like a long time ago at like some like U18 where he was more of like a passer. So maybe there's something there. Um, I don't have a super concrete take on, on Clintman. I haven't, like, he's one of the guys I still need to, like, watch, like, assuming he does stay in, like, which is, he's going to. It seems like he's um, going to, yeah. Yeah. I need to, to watch more of him. Have more I, 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 I do, I do too. I was just, I don't mean to put you on the spot either. It's just, one no, of those I, I like being put on the spot. It is, well, he's, he's just, it, it was just such a weird situation where, like, I, you know, he, you'd see him on boards in, like, the 50s or 60s or whatever. Right, and it's right. like, okay. Makes, makes sense. He, he has tools, he has size. And then it was like almost overnight. It seemed like, oh, by the way, I, I had to mock him in the twenties because I was like, people keep saying he's he's guaranteed. I don't know where it's going to be. And yeah, so, people. And sometimes, people. sometimes these things don't are not are not actually true. This has happened before, where like you know, Tybalt's the famous one that was like very obviously true and got out for a very long time in the in the last five six years. 
but like occasionally these will be floated out and they're not true and they kind of go away. So I don't, I don't know, but we'll see. I always think about Chandler Hutchinson. That was one. Uh, at least, at least he had like he was super productive and stuff. Like he was gonna go in the first round anyway. He felt like the but, worst uh, kept promise of all of all time was 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 Isaiah Joe to the Sixers. For Literally old school everything. Hawks people, old school old, old school Hawks people, and this you were you'd have been very young. The Hawks uh, reportedly promised Sheldon Williams at five uh, in uh, a long long time ago, and uh, took him when he probably wasn't gonna go anywhere in the lottery if they didn't take him at five. So uh, yeah. sore subject for me, but alas. All right, that will do it for this edition of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I encourage you to subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey app, YouTube, all those fun places, ratings and reviews encouraged. Please follow the show on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. I'll be back with Ben and myself talking much more about the draft later on this week, and we'll see you all next time.